My name is Mark Solomon, and this is Never Was. I never was one of them. One of whom? You know, them. Those guys. The establishment or whatever. (laughs) No one you know. One of the kids who gets to sit at the cool kid table at lunch. Or the popular kid table. Or even one of the peripheral tables that warms itself by the unused fiery glow of the in crowd. I never had a table. It's just, why do you need a table? And you just get the one? Nah. Never was the them. The not us. Now, that's not to say I haven't been a bad person or an antisocial jerk. Quite the contrary. Worst of the worst. And not in a romantic sense of the word. Not a romance novel villain or a bad boy with a heart of gold. Just, you know, not one of them. More... You, him. (laughs) Anyway, when I say I was never one of them, one of the opposition, I mean I'm one of us. Despite my faults, I am into the collective we. Us. I believe in us. Why? Well, because part of me, it's a stubborn, flickering wick of goodness, extremely small, like microscopic, but it was lit supernaturally by God way down in my cold, dead heart. And that thing has always been that way. I just, I like to be together. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Now, as some of you know, I don't quote that lightly. Okay, I'm no preacher, I'm no pastor. But I gotta say, that sounds that sounds a lot like us. It's <laughs> a lot like us to me. A lot like togetherness. I like people to be together. I like the feel of togetherness, of mutually beneficial fellowship, of unity, of support. I also like the power of all those things. Who doesn't? Who doesn't like that? I like the power of those things because I've witnessed it. It's a funny thing. And the power of togetherness. It grows so much easier, free of any hindrance. It's more natural and organic than anything that comes by way of dividing. Okay? And I'm not talking about the division that comes from separate opinions or from turning away from sin if for some bizarre reason your brain went immediately to there. I'm talking about being divisive. Doesn't something about being divisive seem just a little selfish? (laughs) Forced even? Staged? I don't know. Like the power from division can't, it can't help but smell a little off. If you got there by being divisive, who can trust that? But togetherness, binding, heartfelt, sincere togetherness, Hold up community and mutual beneficiaries next to individual self-serving gluttony and tell me which one you'd rather be around, okay? It's, it's not even close. 
On one hand, you have, in even the best instances, a feeling of lacking, you know, of leaving out or of being left out. Walls, locks, closed doors, whatever. On the other, you just want to be a part of it. That's a beautiful contrast. Music, film, art, when any or, or all of those things bring people together, it is truly something to behold. And I will always want to be a part of that, but especially now. On today's show, we're going to talk about togetherness, okay? Ironically, this will be something of a solo venture. Uh, and the views expressed here are mine, not those of any artist or artists contained herein. I'm not trying to speak for anybody. I'm not trying to speak for everybody. I'm speaking for me, but with a purpose in mind. I'm on the lookout for us. Okay. I'm trying to kill us versus them. Just go for more us all the time. Flying the flag of us, hoping I don't get shot in the process. <laughs> I'm hoping no one else does either. Right. This isn't about being on one side or another, but outside of all of that. Because I'm not into the sides. Who gave these to us? Who decided these were what we get? I want to be outside of all that. This is about wanting to be with folks who make you feel wanted. Okay, Knowing that when you show up, the door will be unlocked, the room will be warm, and a place at the table will be open. That's the goal. Not sure it's possible, but I think it's a good one. My good friend Mike Lewis once said, and I'm paraphrasing here because I'm not really afraid that Mike will disagree. There are people who feel this way and the number is growing. Okay. I like that thought. I'm going to keep it going. Billy Power, enough of what you hate. I want to know what you love. I mean, these are the kind of friends I got. I, think about the last few months. Okay. Think about the last few months. Does Enough of what you hate, I want to know what you love. Doesn't that feel kind of like a nice hot shower? <laughs> Get the muck off, little hot towel on the brow. It's going to be challenging, okay? It is a challenge to not just blow a gasket, let actual steam come out of my ears and eyes and mouth, take it out on the mic. But it's also a challenge to hear things we don't want to hear. Okay. And for me, a challenge to say things I know others aren't going to want to hear me say. I want to focus on what I love tonight. And sometimes that's an easy direct route. Sometimes it's best illustrated by contrast. But I remain hopeful. And hey, I stray from the goal a little. I apologize in advance. Pretty sure no one needs to hear what one more dude is pissed off about, though. So that's not where I'm going for I don't believe I am needed to ride in and save the day in any capacity, okay? In fact, I don't think I could prevent whatever it is to which the day was lost in the first place. But I miss you guys. And I think in the interest of the conversation we kind of had going there for a minute, I had to get this off my chest. I have been feeling conspicuous by my silence. I don't know if that's an overinflated sense of self. I don't know. But I've been stuck had this black cloud hanging out over my head that I had to, to deal with that. And, you know, some of my own other issues to work through. But I just couldn't get this right. And uh, all of it worked against me in that capacity. You know, this show has been the proverbial bottleneck 
I just, I got to squeeze through it, okay? I don't know what's going to happen. Could be bad. <laughs> Go way off the rails, but I can't tell you how many times no other shows have happened because this show hasn't happened. And the fear of thinking too highly of my own opinions has been a major roadblock. So much so that I literally scrapped not one, not two, but three entire attempts because something about them felt kind of gross. So much time gone. Poof. So why not just keep my mouth shut, right? Won't the world go on just fine without me weighing in? Yes, but that that doesn't work for me. It's not how I was raised. It's not in line with my belief that if someone is hurting someone else, you, you can't just sit there and do nothing. I want to be counted among those who see, who hear, and who know. And as a result, who care? And even further, who will act upon their care with an actual response in the physical world, not just words. This, this is just a podcast, okay? It's not like it's actual boots on the ground, but it's the first step I can come up with because love thy neighbor is about action. It's about taking steps. And I know this will be heard by at least a handful of people who might find it uplifting. I'll also know that it's out there and it'll give me something to measure my own progress, right? To me, that is us. So, dear never was us, how about it? Want to make it an us? Enjoy. But first. Let me do a little self-serving style ad here. You ready? I'm going to talk some Stavesacre new album news, if that's all right with you. Is that all right? Good to talk some Stavesacre, but I do want to mention this. A good friend of mine, a friend of Stavesacre, Eric Collins, way back in the day, Denison Mars, aka Mr. ENC, has a new album out called The Lesser Light, and I want you to get it. It's uh, it's blown out rock and roll. <laughs> Makes me feel like a kid laying on the floor of my bedroom, drawing logos and emblems for imaginary bands. You need this. Get it. It's good. You can find it at New Granada. .bigcartel.com Just go to the product page there. Or, for you full immersion types, head on over to E's website, viaenc.com That's V as in Victor, I-A-E as in Eric, N as in Nebraska, C as in Charlie.com Okay, as to the aforementioned Stavesacre news, here's the deal. Basic music tracks are basically done, Okay. That's bass, drums, guitars. Now, it's time for me to sing some songs. And here's something you might not know. I've never gone into the studio with all my songs done. (laughs) Okay? Never. Not once. I never was done. No, seriously. I I can't be fully ready until I know what I'm singing over. The music for me is the canvas, the paint, the frame, the sunlight. You know? It's the vibe or whatever. And whatever picture my lyrics paint, I need to know what I'm working with. So, sure, I've got ideas and stuff, but this remains. What works for an album, for this album? There's always something. There's always little ideas here and there. I write them down. They find their way to the page. But in this scenario, everything has been different. And 
It's not just a different way of writing the songs together, you know, passing files, occasional jams, sessions, or whatever. Uh, every once in a while, getting to hear the music loud. It's also the spending time with my brothers. And, you know, I am used to that, I'm used to writing in that scenario. So it's sort of like the theme of today's show. Togetherness is good. How do we be together when we can't be together? Well, that's been the big question. And once we answered it and got comfortable with the new thing, I still had to figure out what the hell I wanted to say and how to say it. Mostly because I was hoping for an idea of what was going on with you. And then one day it hit me. I hope, I believe that as always, what's been going on with you is mostly what's been going on with me. What now? The question, the answer, the doing, what now? And for me, what now is best answered by reflection? And that's kind of what I'm settling on. What have I learned? Not just information gained, but information left behind. What have I found to be far more important now and what is far less important than it once was? So that's where I'm headed with this thing. I know it's not super specific, but I don't want to be too specific. I just thought... Hey, since it's all different, let's make it totally different and just put it out there. So, we're talking firsts. A couple of them. One, I've never discussed this side of the process because I trust you guys to sort it out yourselves. But I just wanted you to know where I was coming from before the record is complete. So, that's one first. Another, I'm not just writing this album for me and the boys. Okay. It's always been like that in the past, kind of a rally, rally the squad or something. This time, this time you're part of the squad. We did this together. We made this happen together. More so than ever before. And there you have it. I just want to say for those of you who've been with us through thick and thin all these years, many of whom contributed to the fund, there'll be a few little Easter eggs in there for you. you Got to know the password to get into the speakeasy, right? I hope to be in the studio tracking basic vocal tracks with Jason Martin at the end of January. After all the holiday craziness, we'll settle on a time for production and mixing after that, and then voila, new stage up here. My goal, my goal, <laughs> guys might say differently, delivery of, a, of an album a year after the fund. Shoot for that. Hope to see it through. Now, let's have a show. Anybody want to talk about politics? <laughs> Look, I'm trying to figure out where I fit in this whole mess. Aren't you? Just a little bit. I'm hoping some of you are wondering the same as me. You know, where do I fit in? Because I'm only certain at this point that I'm not on either side of the so-called sides that I've been offered as options. I never have been, and I can prove it. That was recorded in 1990, okay? And then there's this.
This was like 15 years later. Uh, I vote for who I think will lead us best. If I think a candidate's going to lead us at all. In this case, pass. (laughs) Pass, man. I voted for every other seat on my ballot. Every measure. Uh, Then I wrote my wife's name in for president because I think she'd still make a better president than either one of them. Anyway, point being, as we go through this show, keep that in mind. I'm neither, okay? I share some beliefs that either side may claim to uphold, but honestly, I don't really care if they do or don't, okay? It just seems so weird. Voting as if some total stranger can actually really be an extension of me. I can't imagine any one of the candidates on the ballot, you know, any one of them pulling my ass out of a burning building, all right, or helping me personally when the chips were down. And I certainly don't expect anyone from the electoral college to do that. It's like so far removed from actually us. None of the candidates struck me as heroic in any way, yet none of them would claim to be the villain, of course, you know. Though they clearly saw the other side as playing that role. At least they made it out that way. I don't know. I still think they're all just kicking back somewhere drinking cognac. <laughs> Couple old farts arguing about stuff that has nothing to do with me. So distant from the everyday human. All they know how to do really is bicker with each other, but I think they do it over chess or something. Big cigars. And I'm just, I'll pass. Like, this whole thing is just barely removed from a reality TV show anyway. Like, I mean that specifically, actually, a reality TV show. That's not even like a joke. And and how can anyone take any of that seriously? You know, I'm looking to hang outside of the whole discussion and maybe claim that side, outside, as my side, you know? And now that the election is over and the results are what they are, I'm still trying to figure it all out. And I'm saying, wake me up when it's over, man. Will it ever be over, though? Okay, let's put another record on, shall we? What can I do? 
Welcome back, Larry. Missed you. I mean, we really miss you. <laughs> this is from Only Visiting This Planet, possibly my favorite Larry Norman record ever, though In Another Land is a close second. Both of them are awesome. If you've never heard them before, please pick one up. Both of them. Take a listen. It's unflinching art, all right? Folky rock and roll with a little blues and some wackiness here and there. I mean, the bands that started it all, they did that shit all the time. I think it just happens when you love music. Your genres are all over the place. If you think about the time that this record was made and when it came out, shocking, man, shocking. I mentioned many times before that I grew up listening to the late Larry Norman, raw, soulful, highly political Larry. Music was a big thing in our house. The good, the bad, and the god-awful, of course. But from where my parents came from, music was part of who they were. When my parents became Christians, music was bound to find itself in our home. It was just going to happen. And after a few somewhat unfortunate detours, Bill Gaither... face tomorrow because he lives all fear is gone because I know Randy Stonehill, kinda. Shut the door, keep on the devil. You shut the door, keep the devil in the night. Shut the door, keep on the devil. You light the candle, everything's alright. Light the candle, everything's alright. Oh, when I was a baby child. Shut the door. Keep out the devil Good and bad was just a game Shut the door, keep the devil in the night Many years and many trials Shut the door, keep out the devil They prove to me they're not the same Shut the door, keep the door. devil in the night Shut the door, keep, the keep out the devil. the devil Shut the door, keep the devil in the night And of course, the, as mentioned before, uh, Nightmare Soundscape of Salty 
eventually uh, we're introduced to Larry and things got way better. Okay. My uncle Chris invited us to see him live after he assured me that I'd enjoy him, you know, providing epic uncle information, you know, the inside scoop. Larry led Randy Stonehill to Jesus, stuff like that. I found myself in a large theater in downtown Fresno, totally captivated by this long hair with a high voice and a guitar. You know, he is funny. He was clever. And even as a little boy, I knew Larry's kind of political. <laughs> I didn't get it at the time, but now I kind of do. And at the show, he told this story about singing at the White House, which I'm sure, you know, I know now was sort of his bit at the time. I'd forgotten it until years later. I'm over at Jason Martin's house. I don't know if we were doing Horsey or White Lighter. I don't know. Larry came up and his album Come as a Child came up in conversation. And uh, the story that he tells is so killer. I heard some rumors about me. I didn't believe in God. I was taking drugs. In God and I was taking drugs. And I was really upset to hear these kinds of things. And I asked around and I found out it's not true. I heard another rumor. I heard that uh, I heard that I had gone to the White House to sing for the president. That's, That's a, a lie. I went to the White House, but not to sing. I went to give the president advice. Like when Mr. Carter was president, if I had been president, I would have done things differently. You know, I, I just like, instead of trying to be friends with the Russians and, you know, have detente and... I just would have got tough with them. I would have said, get your troops out of Afghanistan. There are no more Levi's. I would have told Iran to let the hostages go or else next time we're going to crash the helicopters even closer. Well, I ended up singing at the White House. Just before I went on to sing, uh, Gretchen Post and the social secretary for the White House came backstage and told me not to sing or say anything political or religious. I didn't know any Neil Diamond songs. So I sang this song. I, was and I listened to this cassette over and over. 
with my super futuristic tape player that you listen to both sides of the cassette without taking it out of the player. What's up now? Amazing. I always love this little bit of spoken word, you know, where he tells a White House story. It's like, Larry freaking Norman played a show for the president of the United States. Anyway, he told the story and then he followed it with this song. Just check it out. I was born and raised an orphan in a land that once was free. In a land that poured its love out on the moon And I grew up in the shadows of your silos filled with grain But you never helped to fill my empty spoon And when I was ten you murdered law with courtroom politics And you learn to make a lie sound just like truth But I know you better now And I don't fall for all your tricks And you've lost the one advantage of my youth You kill a black man at midnight Just for talking to your daughter Then you make his wife your mistress And you leave her without water And the sheet you wear upon your face Is the sheet your children sleep on And at every meal you say a prayer You don't believe but still you keep on And your money says in God we trust But it's against the law to pray in school You say we beat the Russians to the moon And I say you starve your children to do it You are far across the ocean In a war that's not your own And while you're Sacrifice your children And kill all your enemies The politicians all make speeches While the newsmen all take notes And they exaggerate the issues As they shove it down our throats Is it really up to them Whether this country sinks or floats Well, I wonder who would lead us If none of us would vote You know every move I make Or is that 
just coincidence Will you try to make my way of life A little less like jail If I promise to make tapes and Okay, there's a live version uh, on Come As A Child, but this version is the one I always loved. I played it because I wanted you to know that while I'm so not interested in parties, okay, I'm all about people, and politics are ultimately about people, I think. I think they're supposed to be, at least. Larry was my first introduction to politics, really. Like, the first artist I ever enjoyed was a Christian hippie who played on the steps of the White House, you know. He was a voice in, an, in, in the era of Vietnam and of the 60s and 70s American pop culture. I found it inspiring. And, uh, you know, the idea that not only could a believer stand in there and speak up, but he could do it well and receive the respect of his peers uh, kind of started something in, in me, started me on a path, opened my eyes. Rock and roll could and should call things into question. But additionally, uh, that a Christian person in rock and roll could be aware and relevant in a world of politics when maybe the public entity known as the church couldn't or wouldn't, right? And not only could you be active, but you could be successful in affecting real positive change in the world because his music, it wasn't pushing people away, but rather inviting them in, okay? Cluing them in on what he was seeing inviting them to share in the freedom he had found. Well, I'm sure he would say it found him, but he was my first introduction to us. And uh, I played this so you'd understand that. And also because I wanted to hear it. But if you're pissed that politics showed up on the Never Was podcast, you can blame Larry Norman. <laughs> and your money says in God we trust, but it's against the law to pray in school. You say we beat the Russians to the moon And I say you starved your children to do it You say all men are equal, all men are brothers Then why are the rich more equal than others? Don't ask me for the answers, I've only got one That a man leaves his darkness when he follows the sun Recently posted a little 24-hour poll on Twitter with the question, is it ever justifiable to generalize a group of people? Now, look, before we get into this, because it's really distracting if I don't say so, I'm not saying I don't generalize, okay? I for sure do. That's not the point. The point was, is it justifiable? And I asked it with a, with a specific purpose in mind. I just couldn't include that purpose because I didn't want it to cloud the outcome of the results, you know? Uh, very scientific. So here, Right now, this is why I asked it. You know, you can call this a mission statement if you want, call it whatever. But I believe that many Americans are consistently generalized as a means of furthering various agendas. And I believe the tendency of any person to generalize in this capacity undermines a sincere, objective effort to affect real, tangible, positive change in people's lives or in the world we share, okay? Period, that's it. The question alone posted on my Facebook page, but the poll showed up on Twitter. It's a Twitter poll. And uh, the results were, I think, kind of interesting, okay? On Twitter, 60 people voted, which it's not a lot, but it's pretty good for me. And uh, I was kind of stoked. 24 hours, 
60 people voting. I like that. When it was all said and done, pretty much, it was pretty even, you know, kind of across the board. You got the yeses were 22%. The noes were 32%. Uh, the sometimeses <laughs> were 22%. And of course, my favorite category, the who cares, I'm awesomes, 23%. That's pretty even, you know, all things considered. But on Facebook, an actual discussion formed uh, with some good points and some not so good points, not excluding the usual wittiness of social media, of course. Uh, hey, some of you, pretty funny. Some of you, you know, just know that not everyone is funny, okay? The positive side being that the discussion is real, okay? I like that. It made me feel good. The negative being, let's just say I'd rather have had this happen on the Never Was page, <laughs> particularly during Thanksgiving. Yeah, we'll get into that later. But now that it's out there, let's talk about it. To review, is it ever justifiable to generalize a group of people? And now, of course, some people didn't want to get all heavy. <laughs> Dan Hosford, you mean people like you? I got you. See you in a couple weeks. We'll talk about what you've done. Uh, Derek McLeod wrote, Juggalos. Look, I'm not here to fight all the battles. All right, he may have a point. Uh, yes, of course, all leftists are goats and they will be tossed in hell. Aaron Schwartz. For the record, I think Aaron was being sort of sarcastic, TJ. You know who you are. But things did escalate quickly. I feel like you two maybe need to hug it out a little bit. Things got weird. Maybe apologize to everyone for making Thanksgiving uncomfortable. Anyway, okay, here's another one. How can you be a Christian without a horn section? All right, Mike Sundin with the historical angle. Love it. Moving on. Uh, on Twitter, a legend replied, Julio Ray of the lead. I hate people that generalize people. Okay. And of course, Billy jumps in. So typical of people who say that sort of thing, if you know what I mean. All right, listen, I get it. Not the best question, but that's not my job. Anyway, this last one, uh, well, it's not the last one, but Rebecca Henricks Reynoso, wouldn't an answer be a generalization? Damn it. You know where I was going with that, okay? Here's a joke. Ready? Knock, knock. Come in. You know what I mean? I mean, come on. You're killing me. Okay, so there were some there were some of those kinds of comments, but then there were some really good ones, all of which I won't be able to contain here, uh, but you can read them if you like. Uh, I like what Dave Kava said. Things that are generally true are generally true. It's okay to believe they are generally true. It's not okay to believe they are always true or the fact that they are generally true makes them true of a particular individual. Makes sense, but wow, <laughs> that's a... Uh, a handful. Taylor Aldridge, yes to ethnicities and cultures, no to race and individuals. I see what you're doing there. I don't know that it works. I don't know that it works. Lance Holton asked, what if it's a group of neo-Nazis? To which David Bean replied, you could generalize and say they are all a bunch of racists, which would be true. But beyond that, you really can't generalize them because that may be the only thing that they all have in common. Side note, Dave Bean. I love that guy. I remember you, man. Are you noticing a theme though? I don't know that there is an answer to that. I think it depends on your intent in the generalization, but I am sure it is not ever justifiable to apply said generalization to an individual person. Josiah Heiberg. John Cox. It is justifiable if you realize it is a generalization and not a rule. Hmm. 
again and again, the theme surfaces, okay? Not unexpectedly. Generalizations seem to require some mutual understanding, all right? Think of driving a car. There's rules, of course, but a few instances require a little nuance, right? Like if I turn on my signal, should I just change lanes immediately or you know, make sure that the car next to me and I are on the same page, right? Here's an interesting one from uh, Adam Warshawski. I think you and I may have bantered back and forth at some point, Adam. Totally justifiable in a debate for the sake of time. If you have to specify every nuance of each individual in a group, your debatee will tire of the explanation and interrupt you before you can make your point. Not if you do a podcast. Conversation as an art has been lost for the cause of other people's feelings, of whom you've never met. Emotional fragility will be the downfall of reason. I just think that when you fill a conversation full of qualifiers, it's unnecessary filler. In this age of political correctness, everybody already knows that sexism and racism is wrong. So when you have to constantly reiterate that fact, it makes the conversation boorish. That is precisely what has caused people to get burnt out on political correctness. When in every conversation you have, you feel that people are finger wagging at you. Look, I 100% get his point. I really do. I get what you're saying, Adam. But I have to say, I think you're making some leaps, okay? I think you need a better debate partner for one thing, or maybe just be careful that the person on the other side of the table from you knows you're in a debate. Uh, Here's a fact. Not everybody knows that sexism and racism is wrong, man. Uh, Sorry. They may know these are words uh, that they don't want associated with their names, but there are still racist and sexist comments made all the time. Do the people who are making them know they're making them? Sometimes, sometimes they don't. If they don't know they're being sexist, does ignorance excuse it? Pretty confident that's a no. I mean, I don't know. The kind of neo-Nazis who see Kyle and the whole lot, I believe they believe they're right. They think they're the good guys, you know? They think they're doing what's necessary. It doesn't change the way I see them, you know? I mean, and in America, it's just bizarre. I mean, try that shit in, in Germany and see how it works out. It would be very... Very different, I think, than they expect. Some folks sincerely don't know they're being sexists, racists, bigots, or prejudiced in any number of ways. I mean, they just don't. I have for sure been any of those things and not realized it. You know, Does a lack of knowledge of wrongdoing negate the wrongdoer's guilt or the wrong? That could go many ways. But a lack of correction when shown the truth of the matter certainly changes that discussion. It's just... We just get wrapped up going into the cycle, into the hole. And I see, again, your point there, because it would spiral out of control if we have to go down this rabbit hole every single time. Let's get out of it, okay? Not everybody knows racism is wrong because not every racist knows they're racist. Some just don't give a shit. I don't know. It's there. It's, it's in the dodgy areas where the generalizing which was the whole point in the first place, gets really tricky. I mean, we're talking about a few different groups of people here, right? You got one group who needs education and another who probably needs an ass whooping. You know, people who are uh, sincerely trying to grow, some that are sincerely trying to change. And then there's those who are trying to educate. And I think there's even another group who enjoy having racists available to set on fire every once in a while. You know, it's just, That's some pretty diverse groups. And that's only a portion of them, right? (laughs) I can agree on this, man. The political correctness thing is a a problem. It's a burnout for real, okay? 
you know, we'll touch on that later, but in a minute. Matt Suman wrote, I don't know if it's justifiable, but it sure is easy to do. I think it's all based on experience, environment, and how one is brought up. And there it is. It's easier. It really can be easy to lump a group of people in one big pile and just name the pile. It's easier, but is it right? Is it beneficial? Is it correct? Is it good? Thank you for the responses, Matt and everybody. Stay tuned. Great news. I've got all the answers. And I never lie. All right, look, to my count, and please feel free to check my math, you lunatics, uh, of the 80-some-odd comments on my Facebook page, six were basically no's, seven basically yeses, pretty consistent with Twitter. Um, Then when folks weren't being funny, who knew New York Islanders all smelled like fish? Today I learned. There were many answers, uh, but most required nuance, patience, shared information. I can't resist. Last one, I promise. Is it ever justifiable to generalize a group of people? JP Williams says, only those people. (laughs) He's talking about them, the them. JP with the topical comment and he didn't even know it. So again, I ask, where do I fit in here? Where do you? Where does the person who has spent any time at all with Jesus fit in this discussion? How does a sinner saved by grace avoid being one of them and sincerely take up residence as one of us and doing so without neglecting real causes that need real champions? How?
Okay, so I originally played this bit from YouTube here with Jerry Seinfeld speaking about political correctness. Okay, But I decided that not only did I not want to assume I could speak for anyone else, I also didn't want anyone speaking for me or being put on the spot as speaking for me. You know, I thought that was a little step too far. Uh, but before we get too far down the political correctness rabbit hole, at the beginning of the show, I said I wanted to promote the things I loved rather than those I hated. And instead of waiting until the end of the show and maybe you're just kind of over it, I wanted to get those out here first. So here you go. Three things I love that you can love, support, or even contribute in today. Okay? Like there are links in the show page right now. Go there. Click. Be part of something. First, Operation Christmas Child from Samaritan's Purse. This is something my mom and my dad have been doing for years. They, they put together gift boxes for kids. Plain and simple at Christmas time. But it's huge and it's awesome and the kids love them. Second, Gamer Church. If you've been listening to Billy Powers' Urban Achiever since the beginning, you remember Mikey Bridges, um, formerly of Sometimes Sunday and the Once Upon a Time Wonderland known as Tom Fest. You gotta know him from there. Basically, Gamer Church goes out to where the kids are and engages them. Simple. Uh, Engages them in the context of something they love, video games. And if you're shaking your head because you think video games are stupid, congrats on hearing this podcast on your flip phone. Now, get with the program. It's just what it is. Okay, Okay, last but not least, from the one and only OG Grinch himself, Mike Lewis and his angelic wife and family, Hope Rages and My Life Speaks. In short, boots on the ground in Haiti, teaching job skills, how to run a business, and the joy of creativity and the freedom in which to enjoy it fully. It's an awesome thing. It's real and it costs time and money. These are things, all three of these things are things you can contribute to right now. So check out the links in the show show page. Just start exploring, you know? Doesn't have to be because of faith. It's just because they're trying to help people. That's what it's all about, helping people. You want to kill political correctness and political incorrectness? Transcend it. Help somebody. There you go. Told you I'd get back to the weariness of political correctness. Well, boom, here we are. And thanks for hanging with me this long. I feel like this is like the longest show ever. The funny thing is, in terms of time, it's going to be kind of short. You know why it seems long? Because it's hard work. And hard work always feels that way. It's hard work to hold off on the generalizations and go a little further. Give somebody a break. It's hard work thinking of others okay it's hard work remembering that something you say could hurt somebody and it's hard work putting yourself in the shoes of another person last year mike lewis billy power and i did a show called the podcast okay Uh, mike mentioned that political correctness 
started out with empathy and then became what it has become. And I think in terms of tackling a response to where everything is going and where we fit, I feel like empathy is a, as good a spot to start as any. Uh, Merriam-Webster defines empathy as the imaginative projection of a subjective state into an object so that the object appears to be infused with it. Also, the action of understanding, being aware of, being sensitive to, and vicariously experiencing the feelings, thoughts, and experience of another, of either the past or present, without having the feelings, thoughts, and experience fully communicated in an objectively explicit manner. See also the capacity for this. You know what that sounds like to me? Love thy neighbor as thyself. It's what I've always believed was loving my neighbor. I mean, right there. Set aside your politics, faith, personal opinion of any candidate for just a minute and ask this question. If our motivation in our human interaction isn't loving others as we love ourselves, then what is it? This year has, the things that have been said to me, written to me, said about me or written about me, I could fill an entire podcast with them, (laughs) maybe a second, but the truth is it's all fading. It's not that big of a deal, most of it. Some of it sticks though. Some of it makes me angry. Some of it is easy to brush off, you know, but some of it, man. Listen, I'm not trying to change all of it tonight, okay? If I can cite a couple instances for the purpose of this show, though, a little weight will be off my shoulders, okay? We're going to need some jams for this. I mean, come on. It's pretty good. It's pretty perfect. Just this past August, the weirdest detached bum out thing happened. Okay. Now, before I tell the story, please remember the mountain of shit that got shoveled onto me after the podcast ellipse. Okay. And over the last eight years, because I voted for Obama twice, uh, you liberals sat there and agreed with each other for an hour. Okay. Next time, find a differing opinion. If you could see the shit that lands in my inbox, this story would have particular brilliance. Some of you will have no trouble doing that as you've already dismissed me many times over and you still listen. I don't know why. Because as I quote, I'm a commie pinko who belongs in your crosshairs, right? Remember that? Remember that? Scared my wife? So right after the big WikiLeaks reveal that DNC had colluded, okay, Uh, against their own party to push Hillary forward as the Democratic candidate and to push Bernie Sanders out of the picture, you know, confirming what a lot of Sanders supporters believed, that his most formidable opponent was his own Democratic party. Things got ugly, okay? And suddenly the Russians were to blame somehow. (laughs) I thought that was amazing. It's like any minute I expected the DNC banners to say, Wolverines, you know. Maybe Harrison Ford doing Harrison Ford things. Anyway, after some pushback, uh, Debbie Wasserman Schultz steps down from her post. You know, because she didn't do anything because we made this up. Uh, She steps down from her post as the chairwoman of the DNC due to her role in the scandal. 
Yeah, pretty ugly. And of course, fuel for the Republican Party to do whatever the hell it is that they do. So I'm on Twitter, just uh, a scrolling along, and I see a tweet by David Bazan, whom I follow. Uh, it mentioned both Clinton and Trump, and I commented, stabbed in the back or stabbed in the eyeball, you decide. Remember, this is democracy. Now, what I didn't notice, okay, was uh, at the time, a stand-up comedian slash actress slash writer, screenwriter named Jen Kirkman was also attached to the tweet, okay? And I got a reply from her that read, to the best of my recollection, since it's now gone, um, oh, get over it. What is it about men when they don't get their way? Like, damn. Uh, when I went to reply, she blocked me. <laughs> it was weird. I don't even know this person. I can honestly say I had never said a mean thing to her. And uh, I'd have never even checked her profile if not for the difficulty I was having in responding to this weird thing that she said. Uh, this is my one and only exchange with this person ever. And it was bookended with a block. And, you know, what made it worse were the continued comments from her followers. Okay. One person linked my usage of the phrase stabbed in the back to the Nazis and the so-called November criminals and something known as the stab in the back myth. Like, I can only assume to suggest my phrasing was an echo. He, he's suggesting I was, I was echoing an anti-Semitic propaganda piece, you know? He even included an old racist Nazi political cartoon. It's like, dude, reach a little. Another person suggested that millennials like myself, <laughs> uh, we frustratingly were duped by the right wing into believing all the unfounded rumors about the Clintons, ignorant of what those who'd lived through it knew to be false. It's like, dude, I was there, man. Pretty fishy. One guy, worlds colliding, David Bazan and Jen Kirkman in the same pro-Trump tweet. Like, really? Stabbed in the eyeball is pro-Trump? You're crazy. That's craziness. Sorry, didn't mean to be respectful to actually people who have mental illness. But the kicker, this was too much to handle. Oscar, Oscar from The Office. In real life, Oscar wrote, because everything usually goes their way. It's set up that way. And when it doesn't, wah. Really? Oscar? Man, that's it. I found it strangely embarrassing. Uh, but also, you know, it hurt. It's just why? How is this productive or for the benefit of anyone? And the thing is, not only did this have nothing to do with me not getting my way, I was merely stating that our choices were pretty pathetic. You know, I thought it was absurd that these were the two people out of all of America that we were allowed to choose from because democracy, right? You know, but unbeknownst to Jen Kirkman and the 27,000 people who saw the tweet that she sent me, on a daily basis, I'm battling dudes with eggs in their profile pics and bizarre conspiracy theorists just because I didn't agree with her candidate. You know, and of course, the Christians convinced Trump was not only a Christian, uh, but some kind of super agent sent from God to reverse all the evil we'd endured over the last eight years, which I contributed to for voting. Ugh, forget it. All of this is if I think the shoe fits, make them wear it, right? If it doesn't, that's why God gave us shoehorns. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know that's trite, but what you want from me, okay? I'm straight, white, male. I guess I'll patch myself up with all my privilege. All right. That was a little below the belt. Or was it? I don't know. I'm reeling it in. 
or I'm going to have to change my plan from earlier. I'm pretty sure that's a terrible idea. So I'm not going to keep that way. I'm done. Okay, I'm done. The best I can do, as far as this podcast is concerned, um, as far as standing up and being counted, is to pose a question or two, make some observations. You can take them or leave them. If you feel like responding, by all means do. This is probably going to lose me some listeners. <laughs> it may bring some hate mail. It may bring the wrong kind of love mail from the selective hearing types with frogs in their profile pics now. You know, just, I have to say, just because I'm critical of your opponent, uh, just because I'm critical of Hillary does not mean I'm on your side, man. All right? God. It just seems so desperate. Come off so arrogant. Confidently be awful and ugly. Crawl your little cartoon frogs backed into your generic egg. Okay? Thank you. Maybe you'll get lucky and Russian hackers will exact your revenge. (laughs) I am standing as an individual. Even so, my goal is to bring people in, not push them away. Even the frog cartoon egg guy. Even the folks who think uh, the current PC thing is not all that creepy. Even Oscar. Jeez. What follows is probably overwrought, melodramatic, probably not very graceful, but whatever, man. Desperate times. I'm willing to try. Because us being together is worth the risk. I have been blessed with help my entire life. At an ever-growing number of key moments throughout my decades on this planet, I've received help which I neither merited nor requested. If my grandparents didn't drive through the night, if they weren't able to for any reason whisk my 19-year-old pregnant mom and two-year-old me out of Reno from my drug-dealing bum of a biological father, I'm guessing you and I never meet. My home, my education, my music, my wife, my health, my job today, right now, even this podcast. If help didn't show up for me at so many key moments, accompanied by a healthy amount of charity, mercy, and grace, no amount of hard work would have made a difference. I count those blessings and fear forgetting them. But I'd be willing to bet every one of those people who've helped me, who've either directly or indirectly changed my life, would humbly say the same for those who've helped them. How many generations back do you think that goes? Now, can every American say the same? Until they can, I accept that I've had an advantage. The real question now is what have I done with it? And what will I do? I believe it is the work of them, not us, to generalize a group of people, then assign the behavior of that group to the identity of the individuals, my neighbors, who make up that group. 
based on their race, their sexuality, their gender, their heritage. I believe those are the actions of a bigot or a racist or a monster. And not only does such a generalization harm my neighbor, but it also condemns my own inaction at best. My lack of efforts to affect the opposite. If I'm not doing good, I'm by default doing evil. This seems a logical, practical, humane way of life. Am I wrong? If not, I have to ask, is there room in there for the generalization of those marching to support Black Lives Matter, of police officers, of soldiers, of Occupy Wall Street, of gay millennials, straight seniors, retirees, welfare recipients, straight white males, gay Latin females, and so on. Where does it fit? Does it sound like we and us and love thy neighbor when you say all cops are bastards, libtard, cuck, faggot, privileged? What are we trying to do? What is the goal? We got to get out of the cycle. What's the best way to do it? Do something else. Do something. Help someone. Serve someone. Discover someone and invest in knowing that person as an individual. In short, love someone. Less of what we hate, more of what we love. Be a part of us and kill us versus them. I'm going to end this with a quote from my mom. That's my mom. So watch it. I only have a short time on this earth and I don't want to spend it fighting with people I don't know because it takes away time from loving the ones I do. Thanks for listening. Bottleneck busted. If I don't see you before then, Merry Christmas. We are out. Ah, yes. Well, <laughs> how'd that work out? Um, I hope I did all right. I hope I scratched the surface of uh, the interests of we. I hope that I didn't hurt anybody. I'm sure I'll hear about it if I did. As to that, I'm over the email thing, truthfully. Uh, these are public discussions. Let's have them publicly, shall we? In the future, all ongoing conversations regarding this show shall be directed toward the Never Was Facebook page to the best of my ability. Yep, that's facebook.com backslash Never Was Podcast. And hey, look, there's a link in the show page. Right next to the link to the via ENC information, and should you feel compelled to drop a buck or two in the digital tip jar, the Patreon page. And hey, please pay attention to what you're dropping in there. I don't want anybody going broke. Um, anyway, yeah, we're moving the written portion of our discourse to that page forthwith. That is my hope anyway. 
So I'm sure some topics will carry over. Let's not do that. The general effort is to direct traffic on down the road. I don't want all that digital yelling in the same place where my mom and grandma want to post pictures of Thanksgiving. Not again. Or where somebody just wants to say hello. Uh, We can post and chat right out there in the open. You got something to say. Let's say it for the whole class. Uh, I'm tempted to have them on my own page, but sometimes, you guys, it just does not work out well for me. Anyway, tonight you heard The Strength off of The Crucified's Pillars of Humanity. Uh, We Say off of Staves Acres' How to Live with a Curse. Re-release coming soon, all you funders. The Bill Gaither Trio's Because He Lives. Randy Stonehill's Shut the Dough. And Salty's Praise the Lord Just Because I Knew It Would Haunt Your Dreams Again. Singing at the White House off of Come as a Child and the Six O'Clock News and the Great American Novel off of Only Visiting This Planet. We also heard No Reason from Minor Threats Discography, which you should have. I shouldn't even have to tell you that. You also heard Jerry Seinfeld and David Remnick of the New Yorker magazine um, on Late Night with Seth Meyers and their YouTube channel. Um, Stuck in the Middle with You by Steeler's Wheel. Uh, points if you actually knew that was the name of that band. And finally, Minus from Staves Acres Friction. All other songs were from my band White Lighter's debut album. Uh, this show was produced by Billy Power of Urban Achiever Studios. You can find this and all other episodes of Never Was on iTunes or at ineverwas.com. Thanks again for listening. You've heard enough of my voice. Be good. Rainbow out. <laughs> <laughs>